Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful gift to say that I am yours. And Lord, knowing that, knowing that I am yours, I go on and on and on. And it's only because of your grace and your son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we praise you today the gift in Jesus. And Lord, I pray as we study your word today here in the book of Genesis, oh, that we may see how this book, this first book of the Bible points us to Jesus. Oh Lord, let us see Christ today and let our hearts be turned to him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. As we continue our study, this journey of faith, as we look at the life of Abraham. At this point, you remember Abraham is still Abram. He hasn't got that name changed just quite yet, but he's getting there. And Abram has gone through a few trials in his life. God had called him out of his hometown there in Ur of the Chaldeans, called him away from his family and friends, called him away from his idols that he used to worship, and called him down to a land that God promised to give to his offspring. Abram never realizes any of that promise, not in the sense that he got any of that land himself. But he is living by faith that God is a God of promises and a God who keeps his promises. Abram has been there and last Sunday we saw how Abram, he was challenged as the, the kings of, uh, 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 what do they call him that? Catalamir, that's him. Catalamir and his three uh, king buddies, they came to the land and they conquered many of the kingdoms around Abram including the king of Sodom and who lived in Sodom but Abram's nephew Lot. And so Abram went and he went and challenged Chadlamir, Cadlamir and his buddies and he conquered them. And now today as we pick up the story, Abram is coming back and he's coming back to the land. He's coming back to uh, bring Lot and all the possessions that Cadlamir had taken from the land and we see what happens today as he meets two kings. Two kings come out to uh, meet Abram on his return and challenges him with two different choices. So today we look at that. If you have found, the play, found your place there, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Starting in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. After, the, after his return from the defeat of Cadlamir and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed 
be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, uh, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the, rich, uh, the, share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre have their share. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. In life, there are many choices that must be made. But as we think about the journey of faith, there's one very important choice to be made. And that is whom you will serve. You must choose whom you will serve. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Some translations put there mammon. The idea there is not just money, but also possessions. You cannot serve God and possessions. That is, you cannot serve God and the, the things of this world. And so today we come with this, we come to this, and we have this put before us. Choose whom you will serve either God or this world. Choose whom you will serve, either God or this world. That is the choice before you today. Whom will you serve? As we began to look at this story and see how this plays out, this choice plays out in the life of Abram, Abram, as he comes back from battle, he has two kings who come to, to meet him. He has, first of all, the king of Sodom. And Sodom's going to put a choice before Abram. And then there's the king, King Melchizedek. King Melchizedek, which will bring another choice altogether. And we ask the question, what choice, what line will Abram uh, go towards? As we begin to look at this then, first of all, let us begin by looking at Melchizedek's blessing. Melchizedek's blessing. As Abram comes back from the battle, remember Abram is, he's tired. I mean, he has chased uh, these kings. It says, north of Damascus. Now you get a map and you look at the old, uh, the old map of, of the land there. He he's began somewhere around Jerusalem, there in that area. 
and he chased these kings north of Damascus. That's a pretty good little trot there. And this is in the heat of battle. And so Abram, as he comes back to the land of Canaan, he is tired. He is weary and worn. And here comes this man, this king, King Melchizedek. And he comes out to greet Abram. Now, who is this king? Who is Melchizedek? He, he only appears a couple of times here in the Old Testament. We hear a little bit more about him in the New Testament. But who is this king? Well, let's think about that for a moment. As Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2 tells us, this Melchizedek, he is first of all the king of righteousness. The king of righteousness. You look at his name, Melchizedek, and, and you study the, the Hebrew there behind it, you'll, you'll see this unfolding more. But his name itself means king of righteousness. King of righteousness. It tells us also that he is the, the priest of God Most High. Now, we know that uh, during this time, we don't know a whole lot about uh, the worship of Yahweh. But obviously there is worship of Yahweh during this time. Abram is not the only man who is there worshiping Yahweh, the Lord our God. For here comes this king, Melchizedek, who comes out and he is priest of God Most High. He is a worshiper of our Lord. He is a worshiper of Yahweh. Uh, not only is the king of righteousness, but Hebrews tells us that he is the king of peace. In fact, he is the king of Salem. And just FYI, uh, if you study your Bibles, you'll figure this out, but uh, uh, Salem is a predecessor to Jerusalem. Get that? Jerusalem. Uh, Salem was there before Jerusalem, but it's that same city. It's the city that one day King David would sit upon the throne. Melchizedek sits on the throne now while it's Salem, but one day the new king of righteousness, King David, will come and sit on the throne, and there's another king coming who is the king of righteousness, Jesus Christ, who will sit upon that same throne who is the king of peace. So Melchizedek here, he comes out and he is the king of righteousness. He is the king of peace. But who is he? We, we know very little about him. Now some commentators, there are those out there who, who believe that Melchizedek is the pre-incarnate Christ because he is one that we He's here in this moment, and then he's gone. Uh, there's been some speculation that he is the pre-incarnate Christ who comes out to greet Abram and give him this blessing. Uh, I don't believe that's the correct interpretation to have. Uh, it doesn't, uh, anywhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that interpretation. We do see there in Hebrews, Hebrews tells us a little bit more Hebrews tells us that this Melchizedek is not Christ incarnate, but is a type of Christ. A type of Christ. Now, what am I talking about, a type of Christ? Well, in Scripture, especially when you get looking at the Old Testament, 
You have to understand that there's, uh, there's types. This is what we call typology. But there are types who prefigure the anti-type. And so the type is something that points to the anti-type, which is Christ. Type, anti-type. Not anti-Christ. Anti-type. <laughs> you can get kind of tongue tangled there a little bit. But there are types in the Old Testament. Well, one that we, we really, we, we see this more clearly on, is the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is a type of Christ, right? The Passover lamb is the lamb that was slain. His blood was poured out and put upon the mantle there, put upon the doorposts of the houses of the people of Israel when they were in captivity in the land of Egypt. And when God sent his judgment upon the land of Egypt to destroy every firstborn child, every firstborn son of every household, the blood of the Passover lamb shed there and put upon the doorpost of the, the Israelites was a, a representative of God would pass over. God would, the, the judgment, the angel of judgment would see the blood and he would pass over the house of the Israelites. And, and that's a type of Christ who is to come. And Christ being the anti-type, Christ was the one whom his blood was shed. And then when it's poured out upon us, God sees his blood. And he passes over us in judgment, laying the judgment on his son Jesus Christ instead. So that's type and anti-type. And right here with Melchizedek, we get type pointing to the anti-type, pointing to Christ. Melchizedek is a representative of, a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. He is a priest of God Most High, and he is the king of righteousness. Now, if you know the Israelite, Israelite history and you know what's coming when Moses establishes the law, there, was, there were the, the Levites who were, they were the, the line of the priesthood. And then you had the, the Judites, the, the people of Judah, that was the line of royalty, the, the kingship. And you didn't have those two lines crossed. But Hebrews tells us that in Christ, the two offices come together where Christ is king and priest. You see, we see here a type of Christ. In the Old Testament, one who is meant to point us to the greater king, the greater priest who is to come. And what does he do for Abram? What does he bring out to Abram? As he comes out to Abram, first of all, he offers Abram nourishment. He offers him nourishment for his weary soul. He brings out bread and wine. Abram is tired. He is worn out from the battle and the journey that he has been on. And here this priest of God Most High comes out with food and drink to lift his spirit, to nourish his body, to help build him back up. Isn't that what Christ does for us? 
Isn't that exactly what Christ does for us? As Christ who, who went to the cross for our sins, He went there so that He might provide us the nourishment, the life that we need so that we might have eternal life in Him. Oh, what a beautiful picture of Christ. And not only does He offer Him nourishment, but He also offers Him a blessing. He offers Him a wonderful blessing. Notice what he says here. Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He brings the blessings of God. You see, we have two, two cases. You either get blessed by God or you're cursed by God. You either live God's way and receive the blessings of the Lord or you disobey God and you live in rebellion and you receive the curse of God. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and the king of peace, he brings peace to Abram from God most high. And he offers a blessing. He pours out the blessings of the Lord upon Abram. Just as Christ comes and he brings the blessings of the Lord our God to us. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he guarantees us the blessings of God. He received upon himself the curse so that we might receive the blessing. Oh, praise be to God that we can, like Abram, be nourished by the King of Righteousness and blessed by the King of Peace, bringing peace between us and God. As Melchizedek then pours out the blessing upon Abram, who then is the source of all blessings? Is it Melchizedek who pours out the blessing? Is it he who gives the blessing? Or he verbalizes it? But who does the blessing belong to? Who is the source of the blessing? Well, the source, of course, is God Most High. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Who provided the victory for Abram in the battle? God did. You remember from last week, if you were here last week, you remember that Abram accomplished against four kings what five kings could not accomplish. The author of the, the book here, the author, uh, Moses, we believe, is the author. Moses wrote here in the first part of chapter 14 that as uh, Catalemir and his forces came, he had five, there were four of them, four, and they came to the land and they had conquered people after people after people after people, nation after nation. 
And then they came to these five kings who were going to stand up against them. Put an end to their reign of terror. And the five fell before the four. But then Abram, Abram, he took, he took 318 men of his own household. And apparently his three little buddies there went along with him. But with 318 men of his own household, 318 did what five kings and their armies could not accomplish. How in the world? How in the world did they do that? These weren't 318 Navy SEALs, all right? They were trained men, but they were men nonetheless, going up against an army of four kings who had conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered. How did they win the victory? Because God Most High delivered them into the hand of Abram. Praise be God who gives the victory to his people. Praise be God who gives us victory. God is the source of all the blessings. And notice what it says about God. We, we learn a good bit about God here in this passage in the blessing. This is God most high. God most high. That is God supreme. It, it, this points to the uniqueness of God. God is God alone. There is no other. There's no one like God. He is most high. He is supreme. He is above everything. Not only that, it says that he is possessor of heaven and earth. Now, possessor there, that word for possessor can be translated possessor, can be translated um, creator. And all that it's pointing to is the sovereignty of God. He created the heavens and the earth. And he owns the heavens and the earth. Everything is his. Everything. These pews here, they're his. This building here, it's, it's God's. It's not ours. It's God's. Those vehicles out there in the parking lot, they belong to God. The cattle on a million hills, on every hill, belongs to God. You belong to God. Cadlemere and those other three kings belong to God. And God delivered them into the hands of Abram. God is supreme. God is sovereign. God is Lord of all. And he offers a blessing to all of those who will receive it. 
We need to, today we need to recognize that the source of all blessing, the source of all blessings is God most high. Recognize that the source of all blessings is God Most High. Whatever blessings you have in your life, whatever is good in your life, it is from God. It comes from God. He is the giver of all things good. He is the giver of all blessings. So recognize that the source of all blessings is God most high so we see Melchizedek's blessing and in this we need to recognize as he does that the source of all blessings is God most high but then we see and this is just a short portion here in the second half of verse 20 Abram's tithe Abram's tithe and Abram gave a tenth of everything Abram gave a tenth of everything, everything that he had to Melchizedek. He pays the tithe. Now, I put that tithe there for a purpose because I want us to make sure that we understand that a tithe, when we talk about tithe in the church, use that churchy kind of language, a tithe literally means a tenth. It means a tenth. When you get to Leviticus, God charges the people of Israel. You are to give a tithe. You are to give a tenth of all that you have unto the Lord for the purpose of the kingdom work. And so here we have uh, in Abram, we have Abram giving a tithe to Melchizedek. Why would he do this? Why would he do this? Because as he just heard, and as we just learned, and as he knew, that the blessings that he had received, they were all God's anyway. <laughs> and he was simply returning a portion of the blessing back to God. He was returning a portion of the blessing, a portion of what God had given to him. He is putting back to God, giving back to God for further kingdom work. As Melchizedek is the king of righteousness, the king of peace, he is the priest of God Most High. He is giving Melchizedek, here's 10% of everything I have for kingdom work. That God's name may be exalted in the earth. And you see, we're commanded to do the same thing. We're commanded to do the same thing. A lot of people say, well, the, the, the tithe isn't for the church. That's not for the church age. That was for Israel. That's law. That's law, right? Except for Abraham precedes the law. <laughs> Abraham was before the law. And Abraham gives that example to us that he paid a tenth to Melchizedek. What does it say when we give the tithe? We need to, this teaches us that we need to return a portion of God's blessing back to God's kingdom work. We need to return a portion of of God's blessing back to kingdoms, God's kingdom work. Why is this important? First of all, this is a matter of recognition. It's a matter of recognition. Why should you pay a tenth? If you're a church member, you're a church member here, you should be paying a tenth 
of, of your earnings to this church. If you're a church member someone, somewhere else, you should be paying a tenth of your annual earnings, your earnings to whatever church you're a member of. Why is that significant? First of all, it is a matter of recognition. It's a matter of recognition. It's recognizing that all that you have belongs to God. That God, it is God who has freely given that to you. Whatever is in your bank account is there because God blessed you and gave it to you and put it there. You say, well, no, it's because I'm, I I'm go to work every day and I've got this kind of education. I go do this job and I earn that. Who gave you that education? Who allowed you to be born in a nation where you can get that education? Who allowed you to be born in this place where you could get that good job? Who allowed you to, to be able to have the ability to get up every day? Because there's a lot of people who don't have that ability. It is God. God blessed you and gave you what you have. It's a recognition of God's blessing. Second, it's a matter of trust. It is a matter of trust. Sometimes it's hard when the bills are coming in to say, first of all, I'm going to give my 10% to God uh, before anything and everything else. But you see, dear friend, when we do that, we're saying, God gave it to me. And I'm going to trust God to give me more if I need more. When we tithe, we trust that God is going to bless us and continue to provide for us whatever we need. Now, he may not give us all that we want, but God will give us all that we need. It's a matter of trust. And third, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus tells us this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where does your treasure lie? Where does your treasure lie? Does it lie in the things of this world? Does it lie in Jesus Christ? Where are you putting your investment? In the bank? In the stock market? Or in God's eternal kingdom? So Abraham's tithe teaches us to return a portion of God's blessing back to God's kingdom. This indeed was a decision for Abram. Finally, we come to the second offer. As we see Barah's offer, Barah there is the king of Sodom. If you look back in chapter 14, first part of chapter 14, you'll see his name there. Barah, the king of Sodom, comes out along with Melchizedek. And Barah has quite another offer. Who is Barah? Barah is the king of Sodom the king of wickedness. Remember back to where we talked about Lot 
And Lot set his eyes to go out of the land of promise over there to Sodom, which was known for its wickedness which the scriptures tell us even before that, that God is going to destroy Sodom for their wickedness. Barah is the king of Sodom. He is the king of, witten, of wickedness. And he comes out and he has this offer for Abram. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, give me the souls, but take the goods for yourself. Take the goods for yourself. Abram, you, you worked hard, you did it. You just take, take all the possessions. They're mine, but I'm going to give them to you, Abram. You just take the possessions. Treasure them. Keep them. What does Abram say? What does Abram say? But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, to Yahweh, God most high possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. You see, Abram knows what's going on. See, if he'd have taken those gifts from the king of Sodom, the king of, witness, of wickedness, you see, they came with a price. <laughs> They came with strings attached to take those possessions, to, to latch on to those possessions would be, be putting his, his hand on Sodom in the land of wickedness, in the land of worldliness, in the land of sin, the land of rebellion, just like Lot had, had settled in Sodom. Now Sodom wants Abram, come on, come on, you take this. So now I can hold it over your head. We can be allies and, and I can have you in my pocket. He's giving him a choice. Abram, you can receive Melchizedek's blessing or come receive my blessing. You, you, can, you can get the, the promise of God that will come or you can get the blessings, the, the possessions that I promise you right now. Which do you want, Abram? Which do you want? The promise of the future? A promise of a, a land, of a people, of a life with God? Or do you want all the gold and the silver and the treasures of this world right here, right now? Come entangle yourself in my world. But Abram made the wise decision. Abram said, I'm not getting entangled in the world and worldliness. But I'm going to follow God. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to let you steal God's glory. Was Abraham not rich? Yes, he was rich. God had blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. 
So much so that he and Lot had to divide, separate their ways because God had blessed them so. It's not a matter of you're evil if you're rich and you're, you're a saint if you're poor. That's not it at all. Abram was rich. He had gained his wealth because of God's blessings on his life. And he wasn't going to let Sodom, the king of Sodom, say, Oh, look what I've done. And rob God of his glory. Oh, be careful. Be careful of the alliances you make. Be careful not to get so entangled in the things of this world. You see, Abram understood that he was in the land, but he was not of the land. He was in the land. He lived in the land. He did business in the land. He traded in the land. But he wasn't of the land. He wasn't like the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and all those other kings who served the wickedness of this world. He served the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he chose to follow him. Refused to be ruled by the king of this world. Refused to be ruled by possessions. Refused to be ruled by the king of this world. Refused to be ruled by possessions. All this world has to offer us. It looks good and wonderful in the moment. It does. Man, you see those advertisements on TV of the things out there, and, and it speaks to our flesh. They're being careful about getting entangled in the things of this world. This world promises great things, but it is such a high price. And the price is enslavement. Abram had taken that, that gift from the king of Sodom. He would have been enslaved to the king of Sodom and his desires. This world wants to enslave us with all of its riches and all of its possessions. Be careful. Hard work and being blessed by the Lord for your hard work is one thing. But be careful. Holding on to temporary things Seeing the things of this world as such great value. Abram. Abram had a choice to make. Will you be blessed by God most high and live for his promise? Or will you be enslaved to the king of wickedness? And Abram said, I choose God most high. The question before you today is whom will you serve? Whom will you serve? Whom will you serve? Will you serve God? Will you choose God above the world? The world would enslave you to the temporary. 
dear friends, only the king of righteousness, only the king of of, of peace, only Jesus Christ offers you the gift of eternal joy and happiness and life in his kingdom. Choose the kingdoms of this world and you'll be happy for a day. Choose the king of life and you'll receive joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy that is everlasting. Whom would you choose? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your precious gift in Jesus. Jesus stands as our Prince of Peace, our King of Peace, who brings peace between us and you, Father. Because of our sin, our rebellion, we have waged war against you and your kingdom. But through Jesus, you offer us peace. Not only that, but you offer us righteousness. The ability to wipe away all of our rebellion. Oh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, today there are those who are struggling with that choice today. Do I cling on to the things of this world? My worldly treasures, my worldly possessions, all that I have, all that this world has to promise. To I latch on to Jesus. Who offers so much more. Lord, today, give them eyes to see Jesus. Blessings that come from Jesus. And turn and trust in Him today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.